I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. There is a suicide epidemic across this country, and it touches all ages, and it touches all demographics, and it is no respecter of race or age or socioeconomic position or anything. And it's a heartbreaking reality. If you are the family members left behind by someone who committed suicide, uh, I, you know, you know the pain that you have endured. And what about the pain endured by the individual uh, leading up to uh, that tragic act? Well, the reason I'm talking along these lines is that there is uh, an effort on Utah's Capitol Hill to address this. And now at a new and younger age. Uh, In the state of Utah right now, there are suicide prevention programs required to be taught of uh, students in grades 7 to 12. And, you know, some of those programs include some anti-bullying stuff and uh, some training. Well, uh, Representative Brian King, a Democrat representing a portion of Salt Lake City, uh, has introduced a piece of legislation which has now passed the House Health and Human Services Committee. Uh, this bill would extend and expand the requirement that's currently in place for grades 7 through 12 uh, down into elementary school, K through 6. So uh, joining us now to talk a bit about this, uh, what it would look like if implemented, how the system and process looks right now, and what brought this all to his attention is Representative Brian King now. Representative, sir, how are you? Good. How are you, Lee? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, talk to me about this legislation. W- w- what motivated the, uh, the age expansion? Yeah, well, you know, actually, uh, it was brought to me by a constituent who looked at the statutory language dealing with suicide prevention programs in the Utah Code for our public school system. And she said, you know, there are some things that needed to be changed. They weren't major tweaks. They weren't big changes. But I started working with the Board of Education, the State Board of Education, and uh, they said, well, as long as we're in this section of the code, uh, there are some other things that we could do that we really have been thinking about that we think would be improvements in a more substantive way. And uh, we have been paying attention to this up at the legislature more the last few years. My colleague, uh, Steve Ellison, Representative Ellison from Sandy, has been very active in dealing with mental health issues and suicide prevention programs to great effect. He's been doing some great work. And uh, so I, I just think, uh, I just thought in my own life as an attorney, I represent families who have had denied uh, mental health claims. And so it's an area of familiarity with me. And So I just thought in working with the State Board of Education that, uh, you know, I'd follow up on their suggestion that we do, we put in place a better system of uh, addressing mental health issues for kids in K through 6. And uh, so that's one of the primary things that the bill focuses on. What would that program implemented look like in the K through 6 classroom? Well, it's a great question because you, you obviously, when you're talking about uh, a 16-year-old who is having some serious mental health issues, it's quite a bit different than when you're talking to an 8-year-old who has 
uh, you know, some emotional problems or mental issues. And uh, I think that what we are trying to do here at the legislature is just make sure that the Board of Education, the State Board of Education, has the tools that it needs to get out to the local education associations, uh, school districts and uh, elementary and uh, secondary schools themselves, uh, resources in the form of money, resources in the form of counselors uh, to address this. I don't want to micromanage this at the legislative level. I think the critical thing here is to ensure that we do a good job of uh, uh, allowing for the school districts and the local schools themselves to uh, teach kids, especially in K through six, the kind of things that they need to handle problems more generally, uh, to recognize how to be resilient when they come across bumps in life. Because, you know, you don't want to necessarily be talking in the most direct and explicit terms uh, with a second grader about suicide in the same way that we may feel the need to talk to a, a child in high school or even junior high. So um, it's all very dependent on experts and making sure that people who are well-trained and well-versed in how to communicate with kids about this effectively have the tools yeah. and the resources that they need. There are some questions about funding. Uh, the My understanding is that this would... Uh, in some instances, lower the amount of funding almost by half for some of these programs. Is that acceptable to to spread out the availability to to more ages, or, or what accounts for that? Yeah, well, that was a quirk of uh, uh, budget analysis that the uh, State Board of Education gave us. But we went into uh, the Health and Human Services Committee yesterday, and Representative Elison, again, I give him credit for his work. He, he said, uh, he raised this as a concern. He said, I just, I think this is a good idea to do, but I think we've got to, if we're going to do it effectively, we need to address it by putting more money to appropriate to this program. And so he made an amendment to actually increase uh, the resources that would be available, particularly for uh, the K through six elementary schools. And that passed uh, with only uh, one or two no votes. And so it'll go on to the House floor. I think that we'll probably hear it not today or tomorrow, but next week I expect we'll hear it. And uh, I think that there's not, you know, my colleagues at the legislature, again, we've done some good work in recent years. I don't think that there's much need to uh, persuade us that what you said in your lead-in openingly is absolutely true. We've got to deal more effectively with our kids who are struggling with these issues, especially during these COVID times. It's been hard on people. And uh, we, we need to recognize it and make sure that the folks have the resources to deal with it effectively. So my hope is that we're going to be able to get it through the legislature. There's an appropriation, a half-million-dollar appropriation that we'll need to take care of. But I think we'll be able to do that. Hope we'll be able to do that. All right. Uh, last question I'll ask you. I think I hear, are those the bells in the background calling you to do your duty and vote? Uh, uh, probably. <laughs> uh, tell me before we go, uh, how are things looking? You, are you optimistic that this makes its way uh, through regular order all the way to Governor Cox's desk? I do. I think that, like I said, I think people recognize that this is important. They recognize that we, you know, we don't lose hundreds and hundreds of kids to suicide every year, but we lose enough uh, that it's a tragedy when even, you know, it doesn't matter how many you lose. If you lose one child to suicide, it's it's just absolutely heartbreaking and tragic. Sure. And so we want to work hard to uh, minimize this number. We want to work hard to allow our kids to gather the resources and the tools the skills that they need to handle life's ups and downs to the greatest extent possible. And, of course, to the extent that 
they're caused by issues involving uh, genetics or chemical issues that we get them the medication that they need. We get them the diagnosis that they need as soon as possible so they can most effectively deal with it. Representative King, thank you so much for your time and your work on this. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you, Lee. All righty. We're going to take a break in just a moment. Before we do, though, let me invite you to send questions my way. Uh, for the remainder of the program, the final half hour, we are going to continue our laser-focused look at the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccine here in the state of Utah. Thus far, we have spoken with Davis County, Utah County, Salt Lake County. Today, it's Weber Morgan County to bat. We'll be speaking with Jesse Bush from the health department in Weber Morgan. And uh, the questions are for you to ask. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. If you have any questions about how the vaccine is distributed, how you can get it injected right into your arm, how you might be able to help those in your family eligible uh, who need uh, maybe your help to get them connected with the health department. That is all coming up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.